Why, hello everyone. This is Classic Homesteading Practices, and we are on season two, where I'm going to be talking about homesteading skills that we can put into our day-to-day lives and practice right now while we're waiting to have a homestead. Or if you already have a homestead, these skills might be something that you want to learn. And the first skill that we're actually going to be talking about today is sewing. Now, I believe that this is probably the most underrated and underlooked at skill. Even though for most people, especially living on a homestead, this would be the most important skill to learn, especially in our day and age. And it's usually the skill that the least amount of people know about. Well, except building. But that's for other reasons. And I think the hardest thing for me to really grasp at is that it's such an easy skill to learn and there's really only a couple of stitches that you need to learn in order to become very successful at not only stitching up and repairing your clothes, but making garments, making cloth items that can help you in your everyday life. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the supplies and the fabric and the stitches themselves that you should learn to just basic sewing your heart out. So first we're going to start off with what kind of fabric do you want to choose? And it's actually a pretty nice and easy way to look at it. And it's whether or not You want to go for a more inexpensive fabric, which is usually going to be a poly cotton or a polyester. Or if you want something a little bit more durable, you can go into cotton, something that's going to make you warm, go into wool. Or if you want something that'll keep you cool and keep the sweat off of you, you go for linen. And of course, there's going to be quality and thread count and all those different things that we will be getting into at a different time. And the reason why is because I just want to introduce you to all of this. The main thing that I want you to take away from this is the actual stitching themselves, especially because I want to teach you manual stitching. So... After you've figured out which fabric that you want to go for, me personally, I am a linen girl because I love the fact that it keeps the sweat off of me when I'm working outside. And I love linen because after washing it after a while, it actually becomes softer and softer to use. And it's so easy to mark where I want to sew at because you can make creases very easy with linen. But that's also a drawback because linen wrinkles so easily. So now that I have my fabric, I'm going to get out my tools. My tools are a needle, I have quilting thread, I have a tomato and strawberry, scissors, my tape measure, and of course a thimble. And I know a lot of people are like, a thimble isn't that thing that you get in your sewing kit that you throw away? And for most people, yeah, you wouldn't think that it's useful. But when you're doing a lot of manual sewing, it's actually a godsend. And the reason why is because you're doing a lot of pushing movement with 
your middle finger and you slide the thimble on your middle finger and it should stay on there fairly well where you can shake your hand and it doesn't come off but you should not lose blood circulation at all with it on and that is going to be the shield for your middle finger I know this is not my way of saying you can wear this and then flip people off. That's definitely still not going to save you from very egregious and angry people. All right. Now that you have all of these things assembled, you're going to take your now threaded needle. You're going to take your fabric and we're going to practice doing a basting stitch. And a basting stitch is the most commonly used for putting pieces of fabric together. It's not for keeping them together uh, for a very sturdy long time, but more of making sure before you actually do your strong stitch that they are together, they're parallel, they're exactly the way that you want it. It is a substitute for pinning, basically. Or if you have ruffles or very fine fabrics that you're putting on top of a garment, then you would also use basting as well. But the reason why I thought this was a very important stitch for people to learn is because if somebody doesn't have pins or you don't want to use pins because you get stabbed in the fingers a lot like I do, a basting stitch will help you for forever and a day. And again, it's going to save your fingers. And it's an easy stitch to take all the threading out afterwards. You're not going to be sitting there for a millennium and a half trying to get all the threads out. You just cut one end and then slide out the thread on the other side. And the reason for this is because when you're making this stitch, it is just an in and out stitch. You will start by putting the needle in the fabric and then weaving your needle in and out of the fabric. You can actually do this a couple of times before sliding the needle all the way through, using your middle finger to push the end, and grabbing it on the other side and pulling it until you are at about an inch from the end of the thread. And the reason why you want to give a tail like this is because you're going to be tying it off at the end or you're going to be putting that tail into the hem later. So now that you have done your basting stitch all the way down your either planned sewing project or your garment of choice is Forgive the dog. He is right underneath my legs and he's grunting and moaning. Um, where was I? He distracted me so good. Ugh, Hank. I'm going to have to tell the people about you now because they're going to think I'm crazy. Hank is my Chesapeake Bay Retriever. He's 100 pounds. He grunts and makes noises. You're going to be hearing him a lot today, possibly. So I apologize for him for his future transgressions. Now back to what we were talking about. After you are done basting, we are going to go ahead and stitch the project together um, with a back stitch. And what that entails is kind of like a basting stitch where at the beginning you're going to put the needle through the fabric and then again 
just weave once. So put the needle through and make one stitch. Now you're going to be looking at your project and you're going to see where the thread came out from and you're going to backtrack halfway through and then you're going to make your next stitch. So you see where the thread comes out, you go halfway backwards and then you place your needle into the fabric again and weave one more time through and you have made a stitch and again where the needle has exited the thread is uh, sticking out you're going to go halfway backwards and you're going to stick your needle through again and this is how you're going to be making your stitches and Back in the Victorian day, from Jane Austen, I believe, she was the one who said that doing back stitches, you would take four threads and stitch through, and take two threads and stitch through again, and then do your stitches that way. I think that is insane, and I will never be doing a Victorian style. Uh, dress, so I will never have to worry about this. And hopefully, uh, whoever decides to be historically accurate on that, bless your heart, I think you're crazy. So, now that you have practiced a couple of times, um, you have done a couple of back stitches going halfway through where the thread is sticking out, weaving through, making another stitch. We are going to go ahead and do a hemming stitch. And what that entails, first we need to know a little bit about what a hem is. And most people know what a hem is, but for some who have not looked into clothes making before or who do not understand this, a hem is the bottom of your shirt, your collar, your sleeves, your pant legs, anywhere where the fabric ends. There is usually a raw edge where the scissors have cut into the fabric and there are these spindly pieces of fab oh, excuse me S pieces of fabric that are fraying and breaking apart. That is what is called a raw edge. And what we do is we fold the raw edge onto the material and then we fold it again. So there's no more raw edge to be found. But there is these couple layers now of fabric on top of your original piece of fabric. And we are going to be sewing those pieces of fabric together. So we no longer have to worry about our raw edges fraying and breaking apart and making our fabric unstable or at risk of tearing. So this is where the hem stitch comes in. So after you have folded your fabric and it is laying next to the piece of fabric that you started with, you're going to take the fabric in your index finger, wrapping it around, and then holding it down with your thumb on one end and your middle finger on the other. And then in the opposite hand, you're going to take your needle and thread, and you're going to thread through 
So stick your needle into the fabric and then stick it back out to make a stitch like a basting stitch. But after you stick it out, I want you to come in at a diagonal into the layers of fabric that you've made this hem with and just slide your needle through there and pull it out. So you have made your first stitch into your hem. And again, add a diagonal for the next stitch. Go into the side that is not the hem, but right next to it, almost flush against to it. Take that needle and make your second stitch. So go in at a diagonal, come back out where your needle is going to insert itself into the hemmed area. And again, pull your needle through and you're gonna see a little diagonal or sometimes you're gonna see this horizontal stitch that is right next to the hem and your piece of fabric. And that is the stitch that is going to be holding together your pieces of fabric that is going to make your hem. And that is how you make a hem. Now, some people are going to pin this down. So it is a lot easier for you to just keep sewing, to keep making stitches. And again, other people are able to just hold the fabric in their hands as they get better and just stitch and stitch. Personally, I think that is the easiest way to go, especially for you're using linen and you've pre-creased the area. So there's already a crease down, you know where your hem is going, and you can just stitch very fluidly. And it makes you go so much faster. And again, you won't get stabbed. But there are a lot of people who love using pins and the reason for that is is because there's an absolute feeling about where your fabric is. You don't have to worry about it ever budging because your pins are holding it in place. So I'm definitely not saying don't use pins. Um, Use pins if that makes you feel good. If that makes you feel secure, definitely use pins, but understand the drawback of using pins is that you're going to get stabbed in the finger a couple of times. All right, now that I have talked to you about these three essential stitches, let's go on to the tools really quickly. I've mentioned them a little bit, especially with the thimble a little earlier. I want to just brush through them, give you a little bit of understanding of why they are used, why there are different kinds of tools that are used, and also the different kinds within those tool categories. So let's get started with talking about the needle. So needles can range from many different kinds. There are different needles for different projects. For most people starting out, I will always suggest a quilting needle at a gauge 7, 9, or 10. The reason being is because they are a bit fatter than a regular sewing needle, so it's a lot easier to grasp. They aren't going to bend very easily. They're very hard to lose, and also it's just nicer all around. They're not going to stab you as much easier because, again, you're going to be able to see them a lot easier. 
Another reason why you would use a quilted one compared to a tapestry, a pix, a, um, oh goodness. There are seven different kinds of sewing needles, and I can't remember any of them at this time except for those two. And the reason being is because I usually only use a quilting sewing needle. Because again, in my humble opinion, they are the best. But there are many different kinds to use, and they all have their own sordid purposes for it. Now, I will say for this, using a quilting needle, if you're going to be doing very, very tiny things, will leave larger holes. So it will look like if you have to pull out stitches larger holes in that. So I would definitely use a different needle. Oh, there's also ribbon needles. Um, and again, the nice thing about knowing different gauges, different sizes of needles is when you get into more practice for sewing, if you decide to go that route, you'll be able to see what needle goes in denim in cotton, in wool, in lace. And you won't even have to bat your eye. And you can also tell other people how cool this is because you know something that is completely different. And you will also know that there is not only one uh, needle size in the world, which when you get that packet of needles and you wonder why there are different sizes and shapes, now you understand it. And you understand that there's a tool a reason, a job, if you will, for every which one of those. But I will say this, for a lot of those needles uh, from the needle companies, they are complete and utter garbage. There are a couple that are really good. I personally use uh, a Walmart brand. I know, surprise. But the thing about them is, when you see into the needle head that is clear. There's no metal jagged pieces in there. It's wide enough to have a button thread go through. That's when you know that you have a good needle. Also, if it is shown to be, almost every needle is going to be manufactured in China, but if it is inspected in England, that is also another sign of a really good needle. And it is very durable and it will last you a while. But the thing that you also need to know about needles is that you will need to throw them away after a time. There's only so much use you're going to be able to get out of your needle. But that doesn't mean that you need to throw it out within three to six months. I have had my needles for two, three years and they still work just fine. But if you are heavy-handed and you do start to bend it or break it or it chips, definitely throw it away. Make sure you put it in a sharps box or you know that it's going to be in a place where no small child or animal is going to get a hold of it. Because again, it is just like a needle if anybody has ever had to deal with home care injections. It's a sharp and we don't want people to hurt themselves on accident. All right, needles, thread. 
Thread comes in many different gauges as well. We have button thread, we have common thread, all-purpose thread, polyester thread, cotton thread, linen thread, silk thread. I could go on and on and on because there's so much thread in this world. And again, it all has its different purpose and uses. And the wonderful thing is it comes in colors to match the fabrics that we're using. So if you ever decide that you want to make a purple pair of overalls like me because you're crazy, you are able to get a matching thread for the exact color of fabric that you have. And that's fantastic because sometimes you don't want to show where your threads are because For some people who aren't that great at sewing yet, being able to mask those threads just gives it a crisper look, or it just doesn't look as jagged and strange. And it just makes you, as the sewer, look at it and be proud of it better. Because again, it's not a contrasting color. It is in there. It looks very similar, almost invisible. And again, it just gives you that comfort of knowing that, hey, everything is uniform. So the reason why also there are different gauges of thickness is because some are going to be under a lot more stress load than others. I made the mistake with my first garment, uh, which was underwear, of using a regular all-purpose cotton thread. I should have used a button thread. And the reason being is because the thickness of thread was not good enough for the elastic band. I, after five washes in my washer machine, had to exchange the thread out from the all-purpose cotton to button thread, which I am happy to say that they are doing very well after many wears and uses I can say that this thread is probably going to be lasting for a very long time, unlike the other thread. So, there are reasons why you should use one thread over the other. All right, needle, thread, measuring tape. Never go without a measuring tape. It will be a very big disaster if you do not measure your stuff. You will be a lot happier if you measure everything out especially if you decide to make your own patterns for for your own clothes. Excuse me. If you make your own clothes, being able to measure things out to make the pattern will be a lot easier. There we go. And I think the next thing to talk about is the tomato and strawberry. So the tomato is the little pin cushion. You stick your pins in there and your needle. And the nice thing about it is it comes with its own sharpening thimble, basically. It is called a strawberry. And the strawberry has a bunch of little tiny pieces of metal that are basically tiny emery boards. You stick the needle inside the strawberry and then you shimmy it about 
until you see that it has become sharpened. You stick them back into the pincushion and then use them for your next project. I love the fact that they come with a sharpener, especially because when you use your needle so much, you need a way to sharpen it over and over and over again. And that little strawberry, which I had no idea had a reason for life until I started sewing so much. All right. Tomato, strawberry, needle and thread, measuring tape. I discussed the thimble earlier. And don't forget scissors. All right. I think that's all the information I have for you when it comes to the skill as an introduction. And I've spent almost 25 minutes introducing you to this. <sighs> I hope that you enjoy this as much as I did. I know this was quite a turn for season two, but I'm really excited to share with you an introduction to skills, especially because there are so many skills when it comes to homesteading. And sewing is so important because if you have a snag, a tear, you need to patch anything, whether it be clothing, tarps, anything for your animals, coats, overalls, boots. And yes, you sew boots, you sew shoes. All of this is so important for your homestead because you might not want to go to a tailor and spend $10 to fix a shirt. You might want to learn how to take out the shirt that you bought at the grocery store or take it in. You might want to be able to make your own clothes for your kids or for yourself. And if you don't have electricity, which some people don't, being able to manually sew is so important. Also, if you just decide that you want to learn how to manually sew because the sewing machine is just not your jam, don't be afraid to share that because a lot of people think it's the coolest thing that you know how to manually sew and you've made something from scratch. Even people who have sewing machines think it's the coolest thing in the world. So take the skill, be excited about it, or wait for the next skills that I'm going to be talking about, which I believe we're going to be doing cooking next, um, unless you want to be talking about building. If you want to talk about building, please, most of you guys on Spotify, click the link below, come to Anchor, leave me a voice message, tell me what you want to hear next for a skill for homesteading or for just life in general. And I will do my best to procure it for you. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye. Have a good one, guys. Bye. <laughs>